0: from the capital of the commonwealth this is the sports huddle with bob black on 1061 espn we're also streaming live at espnrichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio radio app call in and talk with bob anytime at 3270888 now here's bob black with the sports huddle on 1061 espn
1: To be proud of that one it's a two-run home run 99 rbis for kyle schwarber and i don't know if you're going to see what hit any farther than that here at this ballpark
2: well matt josephs was right on two accounts at the end of border to border just moments ago number one i was listening matt so you were right on that account and number two The Braves may not want to play the Phillies in red October again this year. I think you're right on that account as well. And just because you brought it up only moments ago, I asked AJ to give me a Phillies highlight from last night's 7-1 thumping of the Braves, a game in which the Phillies hit five home runs, something they have never done before in Atlanta, even going back to old Fulton County Stadium, which they affectionately referred to as the launching pad. And then they didn't at Turner Field, and last night was the first time at Truist Park. Now, look, I'm a huge Phillies fan, but I am not that naive. The Braves are hardly playing for anything right now. I know it's still out there. The Dodgers could catch them for the best record and all of that. But they've won the division. They're setting themselves up for October. Human nature takes over here, and you lose a little bit of your edge night in and night out when you've already won 96 games. You need binoculars to see the second-place team behind you in the standings, and they can't catch you and all of that. So I get it, but it's an important win for the Phillies as they try and clinch the top wild-card spot. And what Kyle Schwarber did last night, literally was monumental. The home run that you just heard Tom McCarthy and John Cruck, oohing and aahing and screaming about on NBC Sports Philadelphia literally went over the chop house in right center field in Atlanta, 483 feet. I think it might have broken a window in that beautiful hotel that is lodged right behind the ballpark down there in the battery in atlanta one of the truly great parks and venues in major league baseball and obviously kyle schwarber agrees with that he loves hitting there that's his 45th home run of the season and it went 483 feet and let me just give you this nugget and by the way as we walk him to the sports huddle on a tuesday afternoon matt's sticking around he's in the studio aj is in the studio in the producer's booth i am hosting remotely this afternoon and we're all going to chat about this and the nfl and college football and much more on the sports huddle this afternoon you can join us 804-327-0888 on the air Three two seven zero eight 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 is the text line as well so with that home run last night uh, and I haven't done this in a while where I've, I've gone back to my old homer status here and talked Phillies or talked Eagles, but you got Matt and me today, so I'm going to um, fade back into that realm for just a little bit here. Anyway, Kyle Schwarber now 45 homers, 99 RBIs, 120 walks, and 100 runs scored. So he is one RBI away from doing something that's only been done by 12 players in over the last century, since 1920, only 12 players have that combination. 45 homers, 100 RBIs, 120 walks, and 100 runs scored. And he's doing it while hitting a buck 97. He was over 200 for a bit there, and I was thinking to myself, Every night he goes one for four, he actually appreciably raises his batting average. And even if he goes one for five, he even minimally raises his batting average until he gets to 200, and he still hasn't been doing that. And yet he has those phenomenal numbers. Only three other Phillies have ever achieved that combination. 45 homers, 100 RBIs, 120 walks, 100 runs scored. Mike Schmidt, Jim Tomey, And the guy who Tom McCarthy referred to as the big piece who was at the game last night, Ryan Howard. Certainly historic, what is going on there. And, Matt, I bring you into the conversation because I think you're right. I don't think the Dodgers want to play the Phillies, and I don't think the Braves want to play the Phillies. And I happen to look at the Phillies' lineup after last night's game, and most of these guys scuffled during the regular season right I mean Trey Turner certainly did Harper got off to a slow start the injury Alec Baum's been up and down Rio Muto's not hitting Castellanos had the great first half and really tailspin in the second half but eight of the batters if you keep Schwarber out of this thing seven of the other eight are hitting 270 or better, with all their home runs and all their RBIs. And to me, that's a pretty potent lineup.
3: Uh, Yeah, we we won't talk about the pitching aspect of it. But yes, I think the Phillies can hit with anybody in baseball right now. Um, I think that they certainly, obviously, by the run they made last year, will not be shrinking in the background of the playoffs. But they don't have that other aspect outside of one starting pitcher, Bob.
2: Yeah, I I get that, but you just got to get hot in a short series, and I think you can get hot, and I think Aaron Nola proved that he can get hot. Taewon Walker was hot early in the season, and he's cooled off now, and I do think the Phillies are learning something about combinations, and we're going to see a little bit of that tonight. Um, And I don't want to get too deep into the woods on this because – I do want to move on to football. It's definitely fall. We'll get plenty more baseball once we get to the postseason. But they're going to throw Christopher Sanchez and Michael Lorenzen tonight, kind of piggyback them together. And I'll be very intrigued to see how that works and if that works against, obviously, a great lineup in Atlanta. Now, like I said, some of the edge is off of Atlanta right now. They're not playing for a whole lot. They're probably going to be the number one seed, even if they – you know, scuffle these last couple of weeks. The Dodgers have been red hot and the Braves have lost four in a row. And they're still like four games ahead of them with, with only a dozen games to play. So I get it, but I will be intrigued to see how they do against, you know, Acuna and Riley and Olsen and, you know, Arcia and, and Michael Harris and all of those guys. So I will be intrigued by that. I do think the Phillies as they were last year are built for October and they are built for short series because all of those star players And I think anybody in baseball fan of any team in baseball would say, yes, these guys are star players with the Phillies. They could all get hot together, and they could certainly outslug you. And I do think the pitching has enough in it and veteran enough to understand what needs to get done in a short series. So I'm feeling pretty good about it. I still think the Braves are clearly the best team in baseball, and I think a series with the Dodgers would still be very, very difficult for anybody else, Philadelphia or Milwaukee or whoever that other wild card team is, whether it's Arizona or Cincinnati or San Francisco or Chicago. I still think it's the Braves to lose, followed by the Dodgers, and then the team to fear is the Phillies. How about that?
3: Uh, Well, I mean, I would go maybe to the the Reds or the Marlins youth doesn't realize how uh, where they are. So there would be no fear. Uh, So that's certainly an interesting thing. But uh, yes, it would be a disappointment if the Braves didn't make the World Series. That's for sure.
2: Well, I think you bring up a great point about the youth and not understanding fear if you want to talk about the Baltimore Orioles because what they have done over the last two, two and a half years is nothing short of miraculous, quite frankly. I think you could argue it is the blueprint of Major League Baseball, right? They did it through the farm system. They lost 100 games. They lost 100 games, and their games were on our airwaves, for crying out loud. And now they're probably going to win 100 or close to it. They're at 94 right now. But they've never been there before, save a couple of guys. Guys on that team who have come over from other organizations matt this is a homegrown lineup with youngsters who haven't been there before and we'll see what happens when the bright lights are shining on camden yards
3: yeah and i think a lot of people will be rooting for them because as you said they mm-hmm. did do it right uh, and they have a likable team a likable fan base a likable ballpark so i think they're going to be one of the teams that people root for all
2: right i didn't mean to get that deep into it to be honest with you, but I did want to lead with uh, Schwarber's home run. Just a little bit of homerism there, and yes, pun intended, homerism by the Philly guy. But 483 feet in Atlanta, that deserves some kind of recognition and some kind of attention and we gave it to you. Now, look, Spencer Strider's pitching tonight for Atlanta, so I would fully expect the Braves to get back at the Phillies tonight, but I will be intrigued to see how that kind of piggyback pitching idea works for Philadelphia tonight where Sanchez is going to start He'll go X number of innings, and then Lorenzen is predetermined. He's coming in next to go X number of innings, and he really hasn't pitched well since he threw that no-hitter against Washington, and I think a lot of people go back and say, oh, you let him throw 124 pitches. Look what happened. But you were between a rock and a hard place there. You had to let the guy try to get the no-hitter, which he eventually got, and you hope that he's able to come back and pitch the way the Phillies thought he would when they got him uh, from the Tigers at the – trade deadline all right that's our deadline for baseball for right now uh, matt's gonna be with us till five o'clock it's kind of our mashup monday on tuesday because matt was out yesterday and we certainly want to do some crosstalk on the nfl games and the college games and prime time deon sanders and i heard you mention in the ratings for the colorado colorado state game all of that coming up this afternoon. Plus, we got a couple of really good guests for you as we take you up to 6 o'clock tonight. Let's tell you about them as we get rolling on the Sports Huddle, 1061 ESPN.
0: Here's what's coming up on today's Sports Huddle. This is a huge fan of sports. This is the River City Rundown. River City Rundown. 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 River City. Rundown.
2: River City Rundown brought to you by the Richmond chapter of the American Red Cross. Your help is needed for the Red Cross to continue to be on call for local or national emergency. To learn how you can volunteer or donate blood, we urge you to visit redcross.org. Talk some commanders in the 5 o'clock hour. Barry Sverluga from the Washington Post will join us. We'll get his impressions of the commander's 2-0 start, the come-from-behind victory over Denver, and what they have to do to battle the Buffalo Bills in front of another sold-out crowd at FedEx Field that will be probably mostly Commanders fans. Now, Buffalo travels well, as we like to say. They have fans all over the country, and they certainly will make their presence felt at FedEx on Sunday, but I don't think to the degree that it would have been in years gone by. So Barrys Sverluga joins us a little bit after 5 o'clock this afternoon and then we'll talk some JMU football at 5:30. had the opportunity a little earlier this afternoon to catch up with nose guard James Carpenter who is having an absolutely tremendous season for JMU he was right in the middle of things in JMU's win over Virginia two weeks ago and the impressive win at Troy on Saturday night a fascinating story actually which I got to learn as I was talking with James this afternoon. You're going to hear a couple of his highlights from our good friend Dave Riggert at the JMU Radio Network and our conversation with James Carpenter coming up at 5.30 this afternoon. We alert you of this all the time when we have JMU coaches and players on. They practice at this hour. They are one of those teams that does practice in the afternoon, so obviously their players and coaches not available to us live, but we appreciate them allowing us to tape conversations with them in the middle portion of the day, so you'll hear that interview coming up at 5 30 this afternoon 804-327-0888 gets you on the air with us also our text line we'll take a time out we'll come back matt and i will continue to talk we'll get into some nfl from the first couple of weeks of the season and certainly some college football especially with all the top 25 matchups that we have coming this saturday it should be a great great weekend of college and nfl football all that next on the sports title 1061 ESPN.
1: Time for the old horse to take a few days to recharge. Not to worry, tune in Friday for Sports Phone. Usual time, 8 to 10 here on 1061 ESPN.
2: So I'm going to go to the phones here in just a moment. But Matt, yesterday, kind of on a whim, AJ and I played this NFL game called Lucky or Good. And we took all the 2 0 teams. In the NFL, and you know this was our major overreaction to just the first couple of the weeks of the year. Although you know the opposite stat, right? If you're zero and two, only like eleven percent of NFL teams have ever made the playoffs when they start the season zero and two. So we went through the list of two and zero teams, which now includes one more after last night in New Orleans, and kind of determine whether they've been lucky or they really are good. And I'm going to ask you about one of them because I'm going to go to the phones into Dolphin Dave in just a moment what do you think dolphins lucky or good two point win over the chargers seven point win over the patriots game probably wasn't as close as that score indicated uh two has been playing great as receivers are catching passes most to running the ball what do you think dolphins lucky or good
3: Uh, lucky injury-wise, good on the field. I mean, their whole season determined by Tua. If Tua's brains can stay intact, which we hope they do, then I think they'll be fine. If Raheem Mostert stays healthy, I think they'll be fine. Um, But if one of those two or even both of them goes out, then things go downhill, unfortunately.
2: So right now you're calling them good?
3: I'm calling them good, yes.
2: Good. All right, Dolphin Dave, that's good. I assume you think your Dolphins are good more than they are lucky right now.
1: Well, I think they're very good more than they are lucky. Uh, what proved to me that they were good was not this week or last week when they came back against the Chargers and were able to put it. And for some reason in that week, at the, I mean, sorry, at the end of the game, that's when they decided to start blitzing, and that's what, how they beat the Chargers because they uh, buried uh, Herbert uh, twice. Um, this, and I think we're good because of this. He's right. And we talked about this at the beginning of the season. Tua stays upright. It's a very, very good team. All right? We have and Raheem Mozart is good. Uh, small fact, I don't know if you watch the games, but there, they had a thing last week when Tyreek Hill went out for a pass. He ran 25 miles an hour, <laughs> which is unheard of. So he's, I, you know, it's it's just crazy. Um, and the other thing they said was correct. Vic Fangio, who's our defensive coordinator, okay, he's going to fix the problem. Well, The problem was running off defense. Well, we kind of fixed it against the Patriots. We have to continue to fix that, and we have to continue to fix this defense, and we have to stay healthy. If we stay healthy, Bob, the sky's the limit. I think it'll be for the AFC going to the Super Bowl between us and Kansas City. But it's a very long season. So, just want to tell you that um that i think we're good but you know what i've gone with them for so many years you know since i was eight years old i hold my breath every time we play a game so that's basically the way i gotta go
2: well let me ask both of you guys and matt chime in on this as well about what's right in front of you which is denver which we all just watched last week against the commanders and i was pretty down and pretty hard on Ah. russell wilson so much so that our buddy Espo, who knew him from back in the day when he was at Collegiate, called in and said, what are you talking about? Russell Wilson's still, you know, basically a great quarterback. He, he didn't use that word, but he basically was saying that. Does Russell Wilson scare you coming into Miami this weekend?
1: Absolutely not. I, I hate to say that, but absolutely not. Uh, I'm going Right now, the, the point spread is six and a half, which is really kind of a little bit large. But I think, and, and I don't usually go for hyperbole. I think we beat them by fourteen or better this weekend. First home game for the Dolphins. We've won two in a row at um, on the road. Okay, which are not easy places to play. And then on top of that, uh, they've got to come down, and it's still hot in South Beach. So guess what? I think we're going to win by fourteen. And I usually—that's not me saying we're so good we're going to do that. I don't think Colorado's that good. I mean, I don't think is good. I don't think Russell Wilson and his team is that good. Uh, I think they got lucky. Uh, and, the, and, and let's face it, if the Commanders beat them, anybody can beat them.
2: <laughs>
1: Matt, what say you?
3: I agree with almost everything he says. Um, Obviously, Miami's going to have some home field advantage uh, for this one, so that'll be good. And um, who knows what Denver's going to feel like after such a close loss, coming across the country, long trip. Um, Yeah, I agree with him.
2: What do you think about Russell Wilson?
3: Um, I think Russell Wilson's in better hands this year than he was last year. I think that's a positive, but I don't necessarily think – I mean, he still has to get his players to believe in him, and I think he's still in the process of trying to do that.
2: All right. You were a little kinder to him than I was, actually, which is rare for us, but so be it. All right, Dave, thanks. Catch up thanks, next buddy. week. Hey, yep.
1: Matt, can I say something to you offline real quick?
2: Oh, that would be tricky. You
1: no, know, it's something. <laughs> someone told me to say hi to Bob Black, but I don't want to see it over, say it over the air.
2: Tell it so to you're AJ. Say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, you don't have to say it, but somebody said to say hello to Bob Black, but you're going to tell Matt Josephs
1: about it? Well, no. I was going to have him tell you. Afterwards. Oh. Uh, it's, it's somebody that used to be in the industry and has very high regards.
2: Well, you can tell AJ. AJ can put you on hold here for a second. Yeah, I'll you put can you on hold. Right. Yeah, oh, scandal yeah. here. Yeah, that's I know. I've, yeah, I'm in the middle of a soap opera or something here.
1: But now I'm a tree. No, someone that's very, like me, has very high regards uh, for
2: you. you. You tell AJ, and he'll whisper it in my headset. It's okay if commercial. it was Charles right. Barkley.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh, it's not. I love Charles Barkley, even though he would never listen to me. Because Charles Barkley, Barkley hates listening to games on the radio, he has said that publicly. All right, do that. Hang, hang on there, Dave. AJ will get you, um, and we'll we'll keep going while that's while all that nonsense is happening. So let me have a little more fun with you here, Matt. I'm not going through every team, but AJ, because AJ and I went through this yesterday. But let's at least do the three teams we talk about the most that are two and zero, which are the NFC East teams, and I think it's great that the NFC East. Is again back from being the NFC least to the NFC beast at the moment. Lucky or good, Dallas Cowboys?
3: Um, I think a little bit of both, but more they're good.
2: Okay, I, I think I would go good. Come on, you know they've scored seventy points in two games. Yeah, but they played
3: nobody. Johnson Giants,
2: I get it. Well, that, that's part of this. Um, exercise here is taking a look at who they've played and what you think it may potentially mean all right i agree i think the cowboys are good now and will be good the rest of the year i'm not defining what that means once they get to postseason i'm just saying they're good legitimately good all right our philadelphia eagles um, did not play great in either of their two games. That doesn't necessarily mean they're not lucky or not good, but they are 2-0. and So Philadelphia, lucky or good?
3: Um, I would say more lucky than good. Um, I just think they haven't played very well, and I think things have broken their way. That's not to say they won't be good, but I think more lucky right now.
2: I'm with you. I think lucky also. I think when we do this in a couple weeks, and they're 4-0, and hopefully, I might be saying good. I think this 10-day break here, will really help them. I think they've gotten a couple games under their, under their legs now, under their feet. Um, we certainly had the conversation about not playing the starters in the preseason, and Nick Ceriani has said he'll revisit that next year, and he may give those guys a couple of series in one or two games, to try and get them up to speed a little bit quicker. So now they're off for about 10 days because they went from playing Thursday, they don't play until Monday night at Tampa Bay. And let me throw them in there real quick because that's another 2-0 team. What do you think, Tampa Bay? Lucky or good?
3: Lucky. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Baker Mayfield's magic is going to run out at some point.
2: Yeah, uh, there. I think that's exactly right. Magic run out. Lucky for Tampa Bay. I think it runs out Monday night. All right, and the last one with the drum roll, please, because they are two and zero for the first time in a dozen years. The Washington Commanders. Lucky. Or good?
3: Uh, their defense is certainly good. Uh, I think their offense is slightly lucky, only because they keep tempting fate and, and throwing the ball more than running it with a team that's more built towards the run. Um, I'm, I guess that's copping out to what you were saying, so I guess I'll say good.
2: Yeah, I think I'm saying good at this point, only because of the way they won these games, whereas I think in the past they don't win them this way. Down the stretch, at the end, uh, pulling them out, particularly this past week, um, I think the first week is a little bit of an aber- aberration because of the newness of the situation of the new ownership of wiping the slate clean and just just winning that game. Arizona's awful. we know that, but they found a way to win it um but i I don't know what happened at the beginning, Sunday, how it got to twenty one to three, whatever Denver did and didn't do after that, they should be ashamed of themselves for that. Matt, once I started watching it, I actually didn't pick that game up until it was twenty one to three. Everything I saw clearly led me to believe the Commanders were better in every facet of that game. They were bigger, stronger, faster, and at the end of the day, just a better team than the Denver Broncos.
3: And it shows you what happens when you have good coaching. I mean, the Eric Bieniemy difference is, is a huge difference for them. Um, I don't think they do this under the previous uh, offensive coordinator.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think even defensively like I said I don't know what happened to get it to 21 to 3 and apparently neither did Sean Payton because he didn't keep doing it and Russell Wilson didn't keep doing it after that. And I think even defensively Chase Young's return he made a major impact I thought and I I don't know. I just thought they were a dominant team even though they won the game by whatever it was, 2 points. Um, I thought they were – they were done. look, the Broncos got lucky at the end. You throw a Hail Mary, it's always a lucky – I know, you bat the ball down, but they just couldn't get to it to bat it down, but they made the play at the end. It might have been pass interference on the two-point conversion, but they made the play and they won the game. Now we'll see what they do this week against a Buffalo team that, you know, certainly took out some of its frustrations this past week after inexplicably losing to the Jets the week before. All right. Uh, bottom of the hour. Let's get the break in. We'll do some more of that. We'll get into some college uh, talk as well, both with our local and regional teams and also nationally, because it's a big week ahead in college football. Uh, halfway through on a Tuesday afternoon, kind of the Monday mashup with an asterisk next to it, because it is Tuesday. Matt hanging around to about 5 o'clock this afternoon. Sports title continues. 1061 ESPN. All
0: season is 1061 ESPN,
2: brought to you by Arthur's Electric and Park and Go. About 27 minutes before five o'clock on the Sports Huddle, Bob Black with you here. Matos is still in our ESPN Richmond studio, sticking around with us till five o'clock. Since uh, he was off yesterday, I am actually off tomorrow. And uh, back on Thursday with Sean Robertson from CBS 6. And then off Friday, because I'll be traveling with Richmond football, up to Stony Brook on Long Island. Spiders will play that game at 3.30 Saturday afternoon, 3 o'clock airtime. Uh, First conference game of the year for Richmond. Stony Brook already 0-3. Matt, I cringe in saying this, and I've said it a couple of times already, and it's total coach speak, but they may be one of the better 0-3 teams in FCS football because the schedule maker was mad at them and gave them Delaware, Rhode Island, and then their FBS game at Arkansas State as their first three games, and they are 0-3.
3: Uh, ah, yeah, that's good. You've been around the coaching staff quite a bit, there, Bob. With that, that was <laughs> yes.
0: uh, that was good.
2: Thank you. <laughs> I don't really know. I'm just starting to do my research on them. Uh, they're they're pretty young, or or they're new because they're transfers. One way or the other, they got a lot of new pieces there at Stony Brook. So I, I don't really know. I do know they played two teams that I think will wind up in the upper third or so of the CAA standings to start the year, and then by their choosing, an FBS game against arkansas state so they're 0 and three but their strength of schedule i would say significantly better than richmond's at this point so and they've played two conference games so they kind of have a feel for what it's like to play a caa game so we'll find and it's a terrible place for richmond to play up there not that stony brook is a terrible place it's a nice place but the spiders do not play well up there they have lost three in a row they're one and three all time uh conversely stony brook is the opposite 3-1 and one at home, 1-3 and three at Robin Stadium. Spiders beat them there last year. But this one's at Stony Brook this weekend. All right, more into that later in the week. Matt will have a player on um, Wednesday afternoon. If you're on the air, I guess you'll have a player tomorrow. We'll figure something out. Uh, to preview the spiders for you as well. Uh, all right, before we go any further, let me do this. Very popular yesterday. Going to do it again today. Uh, we got another couple of these Yetis to give away, the, the, the cooler cups. Um, you know, not the cooler size ones, but the cups um, to keep your beverage hot or your beverage cold. Uh, courtesy of our friends at Green Top up there in Ashland, really appreciate their support with us. And uh, they had a, a, a box full of these to give away. So we're going to do two of them today. We'll do one in the five o'clock hour as well. But let's do one right now. Let's take caller three. Three two seven zero 327-0888. That's all you gotta do. And we'll give away one of the Yetis. And again, if you don't if you don't win it this time around, we'll do it again in the um in the 5 o'clock hour as well. So the Yeti right there for the taking. Uh, AJ's going to answer the phones, take the third caller. Again, compliments of our good friends up there at Green Top Sporting Goods up there on Lake Ridge Parkway in Ashland. All right, uh, 437 on the Sports Auto. So as a guy who watches these games, Matt, these college games, as a fan and also as a gambler and a better. Does a weekend like this coming up excite you more or are you more fearful of a weekend like this where we have, I don't know, what is it, seven Matchups of top twenty-five teams.
1: I don't know
3: if it's necessary. fearful. I, I'm excited for uh, this weekend uh, for the potential. Um, you know, obviously the biggest matchup of them all, the Notre Dame Ohio State game. I can't root for either of them because I don't like either school. <laughs> so uh, I could just you know kind of hate watch that one and hope bad things in terms of like incompletions and missed field goals things happen to both teams. Um, but yeah, I, I always like these weekends. Um, I I mean I like them all, Bob. I you know most weekends I'm gonna find something that's going to be really intriguing in college football.
2: I heard your your uh, conversation, your talk about that in the three o'clock hour about, you know, the pendulum swinging far more to the college side than the pro side. And I thought it, it was intriguing. Um, and I almost think I have to take myself out of that conversation because I'm involved in the college side. That doesn't mean I I like it more, although I do like it more. I think I do. But because I'm involved the way I am, Uh, It makes it a little bit harder for me to compare and contrast because I don't see nearly as many college games as you do. And I really enjoy my Sunday because I'm not working the game and I'm just sitting there watching these NFL games. So I really do enjoy that. But I do think the college game offers more appeal and more excitement and more. Uh, grassroot enthusiasm is probably the way I would put it. I, I think NFL stadiums still get really loud. Matt, I heard you talking about that. Maybe not as much the Super Bowl because you're absolutely right about the corporate side of the Super Bowl. I think there's some corporate part to the college football playoff as well. But but not the bands change the whole thing and the cheerleaders and all of that. Uh, but I do think NFL games do have an atmosphere. It's just far different than what you get at the at the college level. And I, for one, would go and will go probably to an NFL game or two before the season is over.
3: Uh, and, and it's, you know, as you said, you have a different perspective with the way that you treat your Saturdays and your Sundays. So obviously I would expect it to be a little bit different. So, yeah, I mean, I just sit there and watch these games on Saturday and Sunday and, you know, and try and make a little money on them.
2: So you hate both Notre Dame and Ohio State. Does that mean you won't have a financial rooting interest in that game?
3: Correct. I usually don't uh, wager on the largest games of the day. It's just not my um, I, I, not my angles. Um, it's funny, I, I, I told this last week, I said, there were two people in my industry who I respect, who say, and each of them gave me a reason to bet on Florida and Tennessee in that game. So when you don't have a general consensus or something like that, then uh, it makes it a little bit tougher. And, and I think a lot of people know the SEC better than I do, the Big Ten better than I do. I'd rather just focus on the AAC, the Sun Belt, stuff like that.
2: Um, Having said all that, um, the nation is in love with Coach Prime and Colorado. And I am too, actually. i probably talked more about Deion Sanders in the last two weeks than I have since he was a Richmond Brave back in 1991. And even that has continued to follow suit. John O'Connor had that great story about him in the paper this week about his time in Richmond and his time with the Yankees AAA team. And we had a little bit of an incident with him, all of that. But we've probably talked more primetime Deion Sanders than I have since 1991. Where are you on Colorado, Oregon this week? Um, Does the magic run out? for Colorado?
3: I, I, you know, obviously the Travis Hunter injury is something Mm -hmm. because it affects him at the wide receiver and the cornerback position. So I I, I just think that um, that's going to be an injury we have to watch and see because Colorado's secondary is not very good. Uh, Bo Nix, obviously, is a pretty good quarterback. And, um, you know, I'm not going to write Colorado off. I can't write Colorado off, but I think it's – I think Oregon's going to win this game, but you can never count out the Buffaloes, it feels like right now.
2: 21 points? That is a lot. Yeah.
3: That is a lot. But I also think, I don't think the books know what they can do with Colorado because Mm. they talked about that Nebraska game in week two, and they set a short line, and everybody thought it was a trap, and everybody said, well, you got to take Nebraska. And, of course, Colorado won, and then everybody put up a a large line. Obviously, Colorado State covered that game, but I don't think the books know yet what to do with Colorado. Hmm.
2: Interesting. Very. Did you watch the feature on him on 60 Minutes on Sunday? I did not. Yeah, it was really good really a great inside look it was nothing that you wouldn't expect to see or hear from him but just seeing him and hearing him say it um, really made it even more real and did you see how much money they have already made on the sunglass thing unbelievable
3: oh, oh it's a lot of money and knowledge. obviously we just found out they sold out all their games for the rest of the season as expected yep. so yep. it's crazy yeah all right ma'am what's the bet I got I got uh Colorado
2: are you taking twenty-one with Colorado? Is that what you're getting? I'm going to do an individual bet with Matt.
3: No, I didn't say I was taking Oregon minus twenty-one. <laughs> no, I didn't I'm say I'm not betting anything in that game right now. No
2: line, straight up. You got Oregon straight I, up. Yeah, no. straight up. I you got oh, Oregon. Wait I got a minute, Colorado. I would get in on that if I could, but I'm not.
3: No, why would I take? Why would I take a, the the underdog
2: by twenty-one I'm points? I'm not
3: telling you to take the points. I'm saying a straight up old no, school bet. You don't,
2: you're taking Colorado then, right, AJ?
3: I am 100% taking Colorado. See?
2: See, I would do that right now. I would. I love Dion. I, like I keep saying, I keep surprising myself how much I like the guy because I do think he's a lot of hype and hot air. and But he believes in his hot air. Let me put it that I didn't mean it that way. And, and the bling and, and all of that. But I love what he's doing. I love what he's doing in college football. I love what he's doing out with all of that. But I would take Oregon straight up. Absolutely. Would.
3: I love that he's becoming a heel because college football every once in a while needs a heel.
2: What does that mean? He's becoming a heel. There's a like lot of people.
3: There's a lot of people. Heel is, is the bad guy in wrestling. I know, that's what
2: I thought. I, I thought everybody was like throwing, you know, roses and bouquets his ways.
3: Oh, you know? no, no. There's diehards who do not like Colorado, who don't like the way that he kind of built his team, and they don't like Dion. I mean, I asked Jay, Jay Norvell. I think he he doesn't like uh, Dion Sanders very much. So I think I think it's good for college football on the field, and I think the whole concept of him being a heel to some is, is also very helpful. I,
2: i i hate to say it but he's just doing what the rules are allowing him to do
3: well plus old college you know old college lovers do not like an nfl guy coming in
2: yeah i guess i mean i i give the athletic director credit he was he was featured in part of the 60 minutes piece as well and you could tell he was kind of an old school guy But he knew they had to do something to revitalize a team that only won one game last year. And there were a couple of other schools out there who were pretty close to being just as bad, and they wouldn't roll the dice and take the gamble on him. And Colorado did, and I give him credit for that. And like I said, I don't think he's – now he may be doing some things like every other school is doing that might push the envelope a little bit, wink, wink, nod, nod. I don't think he's alone on that one. But in the big picture, Matt, I think he's just doing what the rules now allow him to do
3: oh, i i'm I'm not against it. I was at first, but I, I kind of you know, I'm letting it kind of play out a little bit. i I mean, I think we might see more coaches do that, kind of clean out the unfortunate uh, players and bring in a lot of their own and see what happens.
2: um Here's the problem with that. And maybe not at that level, maybe not at the big time level. And I've mentioned this before. I wonder how many of those transfers he brought in are one year guys that the fan base wants to grab onto, and they're loving this, obviously. They're loving being nationally ranked and undefeated and on national television and 9 million people watching him at 2 o'clock in the morning on the East Coast and, and all of that. But I just wonder if the fan base becomes frustrated that next year, he may not be bringing in 50 transfers next year, but he might be bringing in another 25, and 25 or 30 of the guys that they're loving this year will be nowhere to be found Next year, I think that makes it very hard on a fan.
3: I no, I don't think so. I think it was a one time thing in terms of cleaning out the players who were there last year. Um, I think if he brings them here, he's not going to most likely push them out unless it's a disaster, which obviously it's not going to be.
2: Well, I just wonder how many of them are one-year players. Like, that's all they have eligibility-wise left, or they're good enough that they're going to jump to the NFL next year. That's my point. No, I don't think he's running these guys off uh, at all. Absolutely not. I just wonder how many of them. I guess we could do a deep dive into their roster to see how many of them are kind of one-year guys.
3: Well, he already said, and it's been posted on Twitter, that Shador Sanders and Shiloh Sanders, his two sons, are coming back next year. Mm -hmm. Definitely.
2: Yep. Well, now that one makes a little more sense. I mean, Dad's running the program. I get it. Like I said, I, I would have to do a deeper dive of their roster. Um, you know, if all and I agree with you, he won't have to do this to this degree moving. For they were terrible. He got rid of terrible players again. That's just part of the deal at this point. I don't have a real problem with that um, with a new coach coming in and being honest and and doing that and again if you watch the 60 minutes piece one of the things he said was you know he talked tough and hard with those guys and a lot of them left after they heard tough and hard and he's like you're not meant for our program anyway if you'd come up to me and said i think you're wrong coach i want to prove on the field that i can stay here he'd have given him every chance in the world to stay there but a lot of them just left and i i respect him for that. I just we'll we'll see if he has to continue to turn over a chunk of the team. It won't be, whatever the number was this year. I think it was fifty or fifty five, somewhere somewhere around there. If it's twenty five of that and what impact that makes and here's the other thing we got to break in here matt the next two weeks are going to tell us a lot more about them right i mean oregon and usc the next two weeks
3: yeah i mean that's going to say i mean look obviously tcu's a good team so that we can't take that away from them um the you know the nebraska win the colorado state win how they won those games those are certainly things you can't take away but yeah we'll, we're going to learn about them these next two weeks
2: all right, let's get the break in here. Maybe we'll finish it up with Matt. We'll come back home a little more. A little Virginia, Virginia Tech, that kind of thing. Uh, coming up when we come back after the break, 1061 ESPN.
0: This weekend, the Spiders traveled to New York to kick off their CAA slate when they take on Stony Brook. Catch all the action beginning Saturday afternoon at 3 here on 1061 ESPN, You're home for the rest of the Spiders
2: in the capital city. Thanks to everyone who called trying to win the Yeti cooler thermos um, that we gave. I'm going to find a more challenging way to do it, I think, because AJ's telling me the, the phone's been lighting up. We've just been picking a number, and AJ's been counting and taking the call. But maybe we'll we'll challenge a little bit more. We'll give it one way in the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, Balin was our winner. Uh, thank you, Balin, for calling. Um, you know, folks, in this day and age, we do get caller ID. I'm going to go a little inside radio here. Uh, Matt, and and you know it because you're in the producer's booth a decent amount of the time. And one of the missed calls, because we already had our winner that AJ didn't get to, <laughs> was from Derek Jeter. <laughs> I think someone's pulling our leg on that one somehow, some way.
3: Yeah, I don't think Derek Jeter's listening, but if he is, that's cool.
2: <laughs> I mean, I don't know if he, he might the love Yeti. the New Yorker on the show. That's all I'm saying. He might, I don't know if he needed a free Yeti. Let's put it that way. He might be listening, but... I think Derek Jeter could probably, you know, buy all He could put it in one of those baskets he gives away. (laughs) He could buy all the Yetis that Green Top Sporting Goods up in Ashland has if he wanted to. Anyway, thanks to everybody um, who called on that one. Appreciate it. We'll do it again in the 5 o'clock hour. All right, Matt, in in the category of kicking them when they're down, I saw that. I'm sure you did, too. It was all over Twitter. The ACC is having a great start to to the season, right? Maybe not great, but very good. They're 26-10 and 10 in non-conference games. They're 8-5 and five against the SEC and the Big Ten. And of the 10 non-conference losses, half of them belong to our two teams, Virginia and Virginia Tech. And if you want to take it a step further, four of the five losses to the SEC and Big Ten belong to Virginia and Virginia Tech. We're in for a long year here with those teams. Yeah, we
3: are. Going to have to find some creative ways to cover these folks.
2: (laughs) I guess so. Man, and it doesn't seem to be getting a whole lot better, at least for UVA. I think Mike Barber was the first to report this. They lost Antonio Clary, the safety. He's out with an ankle injury, had to have surgery. They say it's at least six weeks before he'll be back. And the wide receiver, Demick Starling, who a couple of years ago, I remember they had high hopes for that guy. I remember when Richmond played UVA, they were talking him up. Not only is he redshirting, but Tony Elliott said today he's redshirting this year with the intent of saving that year when he goes and plays somewhere else. So he's going to be gone as well.
3: Yeah, and um, look, I, I, as I said, I would go with Calandria the rest of the season, yes. but um, we'll see what they do. Obviously, they upgraded uh, Tony Musket from emergency to hopefully more, uh, more than an emergency, but uh, i still go with Calandria.
2: What do you do at Virginia Tech at this point?
3: Uh, I go with Chiron Drones.
2: Yeah, I would too. I think you go with those guys and ride them as best you can. But, yeah, I think we're in for long years with them. And how impressed are you? You love JMU anyway, and rightfully so. And what they've done these two weeks and now going out west one more week, I certainly wouldn't put it past them to win this one either.
3: Yeah, and uh, they didn't have it, the uh, the great offense that we're used to, but uh, the defense came up big.
2: Yes, they did. You came up big again today, Matt. You sound well-rested. I'm glad you are. And um, see if we can get you on somehow, someway tomorrow, all right? Sounds good. Matt Joseph, somehow, someway, we'll be back tomorrow. Braves baseball in the afternoon. But uh, they'll be done in time for Matt to get on, at least for a little bit, tomorrow. And I'm off uh, tomorrow, in fact. All right. Thank you, Matt. Matt Joseph's with us in the uh, four o'clock hour. I'll be back in the five o'clock hour. Barry Sverluga from the Washington Post joins us first and foremost, right after the five o'clock Sports Center update. We'll talk some Washington commanders. And then at the bottom of the hour, James Carpenter from the aforementioned James Madison Dukes, outstanding nose guard on their terrific defense, joins us at 5 30. Back after the Sports Center update on 1061 ESPN. <laughs>
1: Serving Richmond and beyond for over